everyone and for today i actually have my very first special guest you can probably tell by the title that uh, i have amy shields on admittedly i have no idea how i pulled this off but i'm gonna hand over the mic to her so she can introduce herself further hi so good to meet you colin oh i'm amy shields i play candy in twin peaks and colin has asked me to come on and chat about that a little bit one of the reasons why i thought it was a huge deal that you decided to uh, come on here is because when i first started this podcast I had people saying, oh, I want to cover this character or this character. In the span of 10 minutes, Candy was actually the first character two people chimed in for, uh-huh. uh, which makes this uh, sp- the special guest appearance even better. But I guess to start off, um, we could probably start off with your introduction to David Lynch's filmography and Twin Peaks in general. Some years ago, I was in London and I my agent called me and said that there was a casting director in town, Joanna Ray, and she wanted to meet with me. So I Googled Joanna Ray and I saw, wow, she's done everything with David Lynch. She's done everything from Conan the Barbarian, Red Sonja, to the original pilot of Beverly Hills 90210, to, gosh, she did Davis, she did Werner Herzog's movies, Kill Bill, she's done everything. And I was thinking, why does she want to meet me? (laughs) You know, I'm an Irish actress in London. She's based in America. Anyway, I went in and met with her. And she said, Amy, I have this big star beside your name. I've wanted to meet you for a long time. I saw you in a screen test you did for Rondell Wallace for a movie that ended up not being made. And I'd love to, um, you know, help you out if you come to America. I think David Lynch would really like you. And I work with him a lot. And I said, are you sure you've got the right person? <laughs> she said, yeah. And so some years later, when I moved to America, I called her up and I said, hey, Joe, it's Amy Shields here. Help me out. <laughs> and she did. I mean, the fact that uh, Joanna Ray saw a lot of you is already a big enough deal. But once you really sat down with David Lynch, because I know he doesn't traditionally do auditions but what was it like sitting down and uh, also what do you think he saw in you during that time well how th- i actually was introduced to him a premiere of the um he, he had the twin peaks kind of lost tapes or what was it called i can't oh, remember the missing pieces pieces sorry yes i met him at that with joe and then a year later she had the breakdown for the characters that she needed to cast and how she does it i think is she takes a few different actors that she likes for each part and shows David and she does get us to audition. You actually um, speak to camera. She, she, not to camera, but you speak to her. She kind of interviews you and you talk about different things. And I believe, I don't know hundred percent, but I believe he sees those and has an idea of how he would like to make the character based on your personality almost. So I don't really know. I don't know how that went, but anyway, I booked the part. That was great. And then when I met him the first time to discuss Candy, I spoke with it. I spoke to him with an American accent in my chat with him because I kind of do that usually for auditions and things here in America. Or if I'm playing, like for example, on the detour, I play Australian. So my first day on set, I would go in with an Australian accent because there are actual Australian actors playing my siblings, and I didn't want to. I didn't want them listening out for my voice because I think a lot of times can mistake an accent with a voice. So if they know your voice, even though you you could do a perfect accent they'll just assume you've got it wrong because they're looking out for it and they're actually confusing your voice with your accent. So I had this conversation with them at length and afterwards I said, oh, by the way, did you want Candy to be Irish or American? And he goes, well, why would she be Irish? I said, because I'm Irish. He goes, I'm Irish. <laughs> so apparently he's Irish too, but he said, no, we'll do American. 
Since you said you met him on the missing pieces, um, I could be wrong, but I heard at some point that you actually didn't watch Fire Walk with me until sometime filming season three. Yeah. I imagine that first time watching Twin Peaks, then watching Fire Walk with me, you know, so, so many years later. Do you think mm -hmm. it's like different now than if you were to watch it when you initially watched the original series? Yeah, I think so. Because you know the cast, but it's still terrifying. I mean, it was a terrifying movie. I'm always interested in seeing like, you know, how people feel about it when they go a while without watching the original series and then the movie. And then mm -hmm. also just given that you were on set and then of course, part, when you get to part 17 onward, all that changes. Uh, and people feel very strongly one way or another, but I imagine just watching it with fresh eyes, like that must've changed it. In what way do they see it differently one way or the other? When Dale goes to rescue Laura, it's like it completely changes like that final act of Firewalk with me. And uh, yeah, that's a thing where it's like, you know, it kind of changes all the events of Twin Peaks and mm -hmm. uh, people feel very passionate about it either way. So I just always thought it was really interesting when I heard that you actually didn't watch it till the filming season three. Yes, I hadn't um, because I'd watched it in London some years before that and I couldn't get my hands on that. There was no way of seeing it there. The other one is that, of course, we're here to talk about Candy, but um, I know that leading up before season three came out that you actually did the audio for Audrey, Norma, and the Log Lady for The Secret History. And I just yeah. want to know, like, what was that like to be able to go in and do that and take on these characters that probably didn't think you would take on when you first took on the role of Candy? No, I had no idea when Mark asked me to do the book who I would be playing. And then he sent me a bunch of like little notes and letters and postcards. <laughs> Normally, when you do an audiobook, you have the full manuscript. But this was different. Of course, it was because it's Twin Peaks. And that was fun. And I still didn't quite know who I was going to be playing or if he even wanted me to do their accents and things. But that was really fun. I know that like uh, with parts with mainly Audrey and Norma, there's a lot of stuff that's very contradictory to the original series. Mm -hmm. Did you ever kind of think of like, what's this all about? Or was it sort of like you just kind of accepted and thought, you know, we'll see what it's like in the final product? You know, like everything in life, I just take it as it comes. It's like, oh, like God. <laughs> Lynch didn't really give anyone except for Kyle McLaughlin a full script, but what mm -hmm. was the difference between being on set to play Candy and then seeing, you know, what looked like in the final cut? It was wild. It was wild because not only was I not given the full script, we're giving our own pages that we'll be working off, but then he'll make up scenes that you'll suddenly do that aren't in the script and you'll, you know, you'd be called in on set the next day and told, well, you're going to do this. And at one point I walked into a scene and I heard him say, and then Candy says her line. And I'm like, line, what line? And then I was like, my bad actress, I haven't been studying. They're like, Candy hasn't been given a line. And he's like, oh yeah. And he comes in and he like whisper it to me or he'll give it to me on a piece of paper or something. Like, yeah, that was wild. And really fun because you're really in the moment. It's the best way to act. It's in the moment, you're kind of buzzed with fear most of the time. <laughs> it's funny. And then watching it back, the finished product is incredible because, you know, you don't know really what your part is in the puzzle. I know that a lot of actors and actresses that are on season three, they had no idea where all this stuff would necessarily take place. The thing that I was uh, thinking about is that, from what I understand, Robert Nepper, he actually had a light drop on him, and that prompted Lynch to make the scene with you in the remote. And I know mm -hmm. it seems like the, the way you describe it is that it's already kind of anxiety inducing. It's like, what line? But I can only imagine why, what he says when it's like, hey, we're going to have a scene where you smack one of the Mitchum brothers with the remote and we're going to go through this wide range of emotions. Um, was there anything yeah. you want to describe about that in particular? Okay, so the famous, the infamous light fixture, that happened on our second day of filming. Uh, myself and Robert Nepper, that was our second day on set. And Jim Belushi and the girls. And so we're in the control room. It's that scene where Tom Sizemore comes. Yeah, it's Tom Sizemore's first day too. It's in the control room. So it was a big enough day for us anyway. Mm -hmm. So I arrived to set and suddenly Robert's not there. And um, 
I'm saying my lines, like we're doing rehearsal and I'm saying them to David himself. And I, I was like, okay, is he just standing in? Cause Robert's getting ready. I mean, that's not unheard of. It's kind of unheard of that the director would stand in for them, but I didn't quite know what was going on. And then we went for takes and David was actually doing the takes with me. <laughs> and he still didn't quite question it. And then someone mentioned it to me then that what had happened to Robert, that he'd been rushed off to hospital with this thing. That's awful. So next of all, I'm talking to David and he said, hey, Candy, can you cry? Can you make tears? And I said, um, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And he said, okay, because tomorrow there's going to be lots of tears, lots of tears. We're going to write a new scene for you and it's going to be tomorrow. There's a lot of dynamics in that because uh, up until that <laughs> point, um, obviously the Mitchum brothers are established so you can't mess with them. But in the mm-hmm. case of uh, Robert Nepper, where it's like out of the two Mitchum brothers, he's the one with the more intensity. So I yeah. imagine that, uh, you know, when it's like you hit him with a remote and then there's that initial just angry reaction, but then he's trying to calm you down mm-hmm. and then you're still, and it even shows later on that night where you're still like upset about it. Heartbroken. Um, there's a lot of obvious reasons why that would be so stress inducing, but was there anything that felt different from when you filmed it to when you finally saw it on screen? It was wild again, because I, I know I'm overusing that word, but the whole experience was just different to anything else I'd done. And that scene, yeah, I had no idea what that was going to feel like, because obviously there isn't a fly in the room and it's all mime, you know, because I'm classically trained. You often don't get opportunities to use mime and things like that, but you've these redundant skills. So that was really fun to do all of that and then see it actually looking real and the blood on Robert's face, you know, with the do- it's kind of the double cry because she sees him. And then when he looks at her again, that's when she really loses it. And to me, it was just adorable. It was a good way to really look inside her mind of who she is to these people what they are to her how much she cares you know like something like that just she just cares so much i think that candy is far more central to the vegas story because i think of how obviously there's uh sandy and mandy who are alongside you and you think that in the case of candy she's very aloof i look at it as not unlike say dougie jones or andy brennan or even the waiter from season two and I thought it was like, oh, I was like, oh, well, you know, there's all these two other women they could have asked for this, but they just feel drawn to and compelled to ask Candy. I also think of how different they are. Like, let's say with Bradley Mitchum, where he's the one that has the dream that changes the crux of everything for the Dougie Jones storyline. And then uh, you see that uh, the intensity starts to scale back with them. Yeah. And uh, and I think of like even in part 17, when he's proper Dale Cooper, he says, like, gentlemen, you have hearts of gold. And I always mm-hmm. thought that in the case of Dougie Jones, his story is, uh, you know, we go through his story and throughout season three, but mm-hmm. I think that in the case of Candy, we're seeing something that we're kind of seeing from the outside looking in, like she's on her own odyssey and hers mm-hmm. is to, uh, you know, right the ways of the Mitchum brothers. Sorry, that was a bit more long-winded than I expected. Theory, like a good theory. For you, did you ever have any of your own initial thoughts of Candy's role in season three or has it changed over time? I had no idea because we didn't know what the season was. I mean, I remember seeing Kyle dressed in different types of wigs and things, and it didn't dawn on me that he was playing three different types of the same character. <laughs> I just, I questioned nothing. And I think as well, I was kind of in character a lot of the time on set, which is a great character to be in, honestly, because she's just in her own world, which is very much how I live my life in my own world and my little dream state. So that was nice. I could just kind of block out everything else and hang around the crafty services for the donuts that were there every day and just think nice, happy thoughts. Since you said there's different Kyle McLaughlin's they would see, I imagine because you stick with primarily Dougie Jones, then of course there's the traditional Dale Cooper for a couple scenes. 
I can yeah. only imagine what you think of when we get to part 17, when it's in the sheriff station and you see the Mr. C dead body. I mean, I don't know what it looked like on your end, but if the, if it just threw in an extra wrench of, okay, what are we doing now? Yeah, again, I didn't question it because I'd seen him like that many times. You know, we would cross over, I'd be coming in to shoot whatever scene and he'd just come off another one. He'd be going into hair and makeup to have that changed over to the other one. So I didn't really, yeah, again, I didn't question anything because you're in this wackadoo world. It's not my place to question before, after, or during. Of course, Twin Peaks isn't the only thing you've done. If you want to discuss other works that you love, like maybe there's other things that you like fans that you think that they would like. Well, I mean, I worked with Dwayne Dunham there last year on a film. Dwayne has edited a lot of David's shows and, and movies. And he also edited back in the day on um, the original Star Wars franchise. And he's wonderful. And he also writes and directs. So he was very kind and wrote a part for me in a movie that should be coming out later this year. And that was again a crazy dystopian universe i don't think anyone's ready to see what this is going to be i have no idea again what it's going to look like i only did one session of adr i didn't have to see any of my other scenes so i'm happy with what it looks like um it's yeah it looks like a lot of fun very different i remember david lynch approach said hey i don't have time to do this but you would be perfect for it uh, <laughs> I, I could only imagine the pressure of david lynch even if you work alongside with him saying like hey you have what it takes to be a director because i know dwayne dunham for the longest time he wanted again into directing himself oh yes and he does direct i mean he's got so many movies and tv shows that he's directed he's wonderful and great guy very similar hair to david's as of this recording i helped with a twin peaks related charity event uh in the other day you're pretty active uh, you know promoting good causes i wasn't sure if there's anything you want me to promote either want to promote on here all i really want to promote right now is self-love i'm narcissistically dedicated to self-love and for other people loving themselves i think it's a very important time and if we all just loved ourselves, then we would have enough love to give others. I absolutely agree. Because yeah. it's almost like the you can't pour from an empty cup where you have to take care of yourself before you can move on and help for the bigger and better causes. Yeah, I have many people in my life right now who are struggling with addiction issues and things. And I see so much of it stemming from not loving themselves. And I think really it's a big part of my art is similar with Candy. She's all about being kind. And she can only be kind to others because she's kind to herself. And that is really... My goal in life is to make the world a kinder, happier, safer place. And I think that begins with loving yourself and having good manners towards each other and respect. I think that reaffirms what he saw in you to take on this role. And actually, I would say it kind of reaffirms all the stuff that I think about Candy as well. Thank you. That's oh, nice. Cool. Say. I don't know. I can't confirm that at all, but thank you. I'll take it. It's like you're always your harshest critic. So it's uh, <laughs> I, I know there's uh, even Michael Horse where he says like, oh, I wish I could be like Hawk, but I don't think I'm as great as I, I forgot how he said exactly, but even he like thinks of himself as like, oh, I wish I could be this other thing. Oh, he's the best. We're pretty tight. He tells people that I'm his adopted daughter. <laughs> I'm his adopted Irish daughter. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely. Actually, speaking of which, I mean, I'll probably edit this out, but I do have one of his lithographs hanging up uh, on my shelf here. Oh, have you interviewed him? You have to. I would love to. Um, actually, I know that um, uh, he has uh, Gathering Tribes, which unfortunately doesn't have a physical location anymore. Mm -hmm. But uh, but now it's uh, he does have his online store. So I did send an email saying like, oh, you know, thank you for, you know, getting this so quickly. Um, and I told him about how all the stuff I love about Hawk in season three. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't there, but his wife was She's like, oh, thank you for that. I'll be sure to tell him. And she talked about how, how he talked about how Twin Peaks fans are the best fans. And they really are. I mean, come on. What other show has been rebooted? 
booted or, you know, continued because of the fans. I think Manifest, I think that was a new TV show on Netflix that people were tweeting about. But really, Twin Peaks is the original one that everyone got back. Maybe you do Brainiacs. You got Brainiacs, intelligent people, kind people. It's a wonderful place to be. Was there anything else you want to say before we close out this interview? No, I just want to thank you so much for having me on. Oh, thank you. It was my honor as well. And um, I hope you have a wonderful day, Amy. I hope you do too. Oh, thank you. Together, forever.